Welcome to Going Back, a rewatch podcast about the television show Lost, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Hydar. Hey, everybody, welcome to a brand new podcast called Going Back, Woo! a Lost Rewatch podcast. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I, and I'm Olivia Hydar. I'm, I'm doing a full on introducing myself. Right? We're your hosts. Yeah. We're going to watch Lost, damn it. Fuck yes. I'm so excited to watch Lost. I am very excited about this, especially after watching the pilot again, because <sighs> this is a show I have not rewatched. I've only oh, watched, really? Yeah, I've only watched it back when it was on. And then, wow. Because I'm not a big rewatch. Mm. person like i usually even with movies it's really gotta move me for (laughs) me (laughs) right for me to watch it more than one time yeah like i generally with tv and movies i'm one and done interesting i'm a heavy rewatcher i don't watch lost regularly because it's very long and takes a lot of effort but it's definitely been like at least six years, I think, since the last time I did a rewatch. I try to get it, you know, every few years. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a network show, so it is, it's a time commitment for yeah. sure. It's a mission. You're going to be on a journey. It's only six seasons, though. It is. It's only six seasons, and half of them are half the length of a traditional network season, so. Right. But also the ones that are the length of a traditional network season are like the length of four Netflix seasons, right, basically. Exactly. Like yeah. 24 episodes. Right. Each one, 42 minutes when you take out commercials. They yep. cover that specific hour in that point in day. Wait, no. Wrong show. This is not, we're not Oof. talking about 24. You're I not, swear yeah. to God. You don't, you don't want to rewatch 24? No. 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 Never. All right. Never again. <laughs> I watched enough for the conspiracy show. I'm out. Yeah. I think Lost is going to hold up a little better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. If for no other reason, its depiction of Muslims is probably a little better. Oh, absolutely. This is something we'll definitely get into as we go through the series. But like the depiction of Saeed, a former member of the Republican Guard, is just incredible for a show that came out in 2004. Yes. I just think is amazing. Hot on the heels of 9-11. Yeah. Not on the heels of 9-11 and the invasion of Iraq. Yeah, that was a bold uh, move, especially for an American network show. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, you know, and so Lost, I guess for people who don't know what Lost is, I mean, I'm sure like there's plenty of people who don't. It seems like your basic plane crash scenario that quickly reveals that there's a little bit more going on on this island than just a place where a bunch of hot people hang out in the sun all day. Yeah, if People have no frame of reference for it. I don't know why you would have this also as a frame of reference in your pocket then also. But (laughs) you have in the notes here, it was originally going to be called Castaway, the series. This is like haunted Castaway, basically. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good description. If Tom Hanks' volleyball was actually a polar bear or something like that or a smoke monster right yeah no it was the volleyball was actually a smoke monster pretending to be oh by the way just so people know 
we are going to be talking about things that happen later on in the series. I think we're mostly going to be focusing on what happens in these episodes, but like it's going to be hard for us to talk about it without getting into some of the spoilers for later on. That's something to be aware of. I don't think any spoilers, any knowing anything that's coming will affect your enjoyment of yeah. the show if you want to watch along with us, but yeah. And also, it's a show that premiered, what, 18 years ago now? God, I think that is correct. So, you've had time <laughs> to not have this podcast spoil lost right. for you. But also, exactly. we're addressing people, I guess, in this opening who aren't that familiar with the right. show. Which, here's the thing, widely considered one of the best network shows of all time just one of the best tv shows of all time definitely of the 2000s at least i would put it at the top of my list for network tv you know it's hard to compare it to the cable boom that comes later during this show's run where budgets were bigger and things although you know this had a giant budget for the time but like yeah this the pilot alone cost 14 million dollars yeah estimated one of the most expensive TV shows of all time. Yes. The pilot for at least 10 years stood as the most expensive episode of television ever produced until basically the cable shows started to come along. Like the things that are above it now are like Westworld and Game of Thrones and shit like that. The pilot especially is so sumptuous looking. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah, it looks great. It holds up. Like, the the pilot, it's still one of the most well-executed pilots. Yeah. And I would argue, unlike The Walking Dead, which also, I think, had one of the best pilots of all time. Sure, yeah. This show stays good. Yeah. The Walking Dead does not. The Walking Dead fucking sucks. You know, that's what happens when you fire Frank Darabont, even though he is the main creative force on the show. Yeah. But yeah, I do think, obviously, the later seasons are very... I guess, controversial among mainstream audiences or whatever. But I love the twists and turns and the weird avenues that it goes down eventually. Yeah, the hype around this show eventually got to be to such a degree that they weren't going to be able to end it in a way that made most people happy. Right. And especially with this coming when it did, like this was pretty much the first show that had that whole air of mystery and fan theories to it. Like there's yeah. fan theories about shows before this, but yeah, not like, to the degree that you saw them with no, Lost. No. Like this kind of invented that mystery box concept. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's the J.J. Abrams touch. And, you know, he loves a mystery box. And, you know, the only thing I could think of before this is like, X-Files, which had a similar thing, but it was still very much an episodic TV show with a monster of the week formula. And that was the main thing. And like there was an occasional conspiracy thing, but it was clearly not very well thought out ahead of time. Yeah. X-Files was like law and order with aliens. Yeah, absolutely. It rules. I love X-Files. I love Law and Order and X-Files both. Right, exactly. But yeah, like Lost, it just, it came and it felt so different from everything that was on TV at the time. And by the end, like you were saying, it just felt like, you know, I was heavy on, this is going to come up a lot in this series, but like, I was heavy into the message boards and stuff for this show. It was a really formative 
TV watching experience for me. I was in high school when it came out. Yeah. And like it really felt like people talked about answers, like wanting answers in a way like they were expecting it to give them like the meaning of life or something. (laughs) A little bit. You know? And in the end, like there's no answer that is going to match that kind of fervor. And this show is first and foremost a soap opera. That is the main genre that this show falls into. The thing that makes it work so well is that it is focused entirely on the character's throughout and all the mystery stuff is in the background that's what makes the mystery stuff cool right because we're figuring out the mystery as the characters learn new things we the audience rarely learns any information that the characters don't know which is good it makes it fun to follow along but yeah it just is funny like you said to think that the head of abc is just on a vacation in hawaii and like on the beach and it's just like we should make a show based on castaway yeah and we should also put in like some survivor stuff because survivor was like new and hot yeah survivor <laughs> i think was like 2000 1999 yeah. something like that when survivor yeah, 2000. and then yeah and then literally pitching this show like just thinking about what this show actually is pitching it as castaway the series is hilarious yes but at uh, the same time, Castaway the series is kind of a compelling idea, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. I would maybe check that out, especially it's if def- it did the same thing and followed them back home and all that. Right. I yeah. I mean, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, sort of what Yellow Jackets is trying to be. Yeah. I watch that. I really need to watch that. Yeah. It's good. And Lost later on does a little bit of that, too. I mean, yeah. like, there's a lot of stuff. But I do think that, and this is something that J.J. Abrams came in with later on, the supernatural science fiction elements are key. I don't think the series would have the success that it had if there wasn't some sort of driving mystery behind everything. I think people would get bored of it pretty fast. Yeah, if they were just stranded, that would be boring. That would be Survivor, the scripted series, and no one wants to see that. Survivor is already a scripted series. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, like Lloyd Braun, head of ABC, he pitched Castaway the series. I like that apparently the Disney executives and ABC executives held a meeting at the Hollywood Grand Hotel at Disneyland. That's where he originally pitched it. And they didn't like it. The Disney execs hated it. For the most part. And I love Braun in an interview I read super tastefully. It's a good quote. uh, Described his feeling about the rejection as, quote, I felt like I was the only Jewish guy at a Ku Klux Klan rally. Uh, Yeesh. I don't know. I don't don't know if that's that's apt comparison. Here's the thing. The Klan rally part, if you're pitching to Disney, yes, I believe that. Sure. Absolutely. But the rest, no. Yeah, I feel like maybe it was slightly less violent than that encounter would have been. Perhaps. Uh, But yeah, he pitched this whole thing. Everybody hated it except for the head of drama at ABC at the time, Tom Sherman, who kind of met with him secretly. It was like, hey, I actually really like that idea. You should develop it. Don't tell (laughs) anyone else. (laughs) 
So this was a mystery right from the beginning. Right. Yeah. Jeez. No, exactly. And it's amazing they didn't incorporate that. <laughs> this is just some background stuff that I think is so weird and explains kind of it's the start of the tumultuous behind the scenes of this show, which yeah. just becomes kind of more torrid as the show goes on. Yeah. It's uh, the Fleetwood Mac of TV shows. A little bit. A little <laughs> bit. Oh, man. There's so much licensed music later on this show. They should have put some Fleetwood Mac on there. Yeah. Uh, the opening scene of The Americans, which is maybe my favorite TV show of all time. Yeah is a Fleetwood Mac song. Like, the Americans would do this thing where they would just play a song almost sure. in its entirety right. and do just a montage over it. And if I recall correctly, the opening scene of the Americans is a montage over Tusk by Fleetwood oh. Mac. And here's the thing. That song fucking rules. That song rips. It's, it's so really fucking good. It's I mean, so here's the good. thing. Fleetwood Mac. I love great. them. I've seen them in concert four times. Oh, I'm jealous. They're so good. Lindsey Buckingham uh, is one of the best guitar players of all time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So oh, great. man. Anyway, oh. Lost. Anyway, Lost. Yeah, so Braun hired Jeffrey Lieber, who is a, you know kind of a TV writer, to write up a pilot script, which he called Nowhere, which Braun hated. Because Braun really, after ditching Castaway the series... He settled immediately on Lost, which I find interesting. Oh, yeah. And it's a great title. Like, it is. It, it's so evocative. But yeah, Lieber writes up a script titled Nowhere, which Tom Sherman approved, but Braun didn't really like. So he hires J.J. Abrams, who at that point, he was hot at ABC because he had just made Alias, which was a big ass hit. Right. For ABC. And then before that, he had made Felicity, which is a interesting little drama that also weirdly has time travel elements in the final season. I've never seen it's, either of them, Alias or Felicity. I've only watched bits of both. I just read about the weird time travel shit in Felicity because I found that idea so fascinating. Yeah, that's like, interesting. What a weird idea, because Felicity is mostly just about like a college student live in her life yeah <laughs> yeah that's weird yeah oh jj abrams also had written regarding henry the harrison ford movie didn't he also write gone fishing he might have that's pretty totally, sure that is a jj abrams production also you know that is totally i could see that that sounds right i mean i know he had also it was before this he wrote joyride which uh, yeah that was before that was in 2001 he wrote joyride he did write Gone Fishing. Let's just look a little bit back. I'm, <laughs> now I'm looking at his writing filmography. It's pretty fun. It starts off with Taking Care of Business, which is a movie I haven't heard of, but sounds like something people would come up with. Looks like it has Jim Belushi in it. And then he wrote Regarding Henry. Then he wrote Forever Young, the Mel Gibson movie. Wow. And then he wrote Gone Fishing. And then he wrote Armageddon. He wrote Armageddon? At least was a writer on How did I not realize that? That's the thing. I And I haven't watched Armageddon in the, in very long, so I, I did not realize that. And then he wrote Joyride, which is not a good movie, but it's kind of fun. Who's in Joyride? It's like Paul Walker. I think Steve Zahn, I want to oh. say, is in it. Yeah, Steve Zahn, Paul Walker, Lily Sobieski. Mm. Great cast. Awesome. It's, like, it's kind of like a dual type thing where kids piss off a truck driver and mm. so the truck driver like hunts them down it's kind of good oh sure 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 i've seen i mean ride. like yeah it makes sense 
because J.J. Abrams is famously a huge acolyte of Spielberg. He got his start editing together Super 8 reels that Spielberg shot when he was a kid and idolizes the man, uh, doesn't necessarily grasp the filmmaking fundamentals behind uh, what (laughs) what Spielberg is doing based on his later film work. But, you know, it definitely makes sense that he would write a movie that is basically an updated version of Duel. Right. But yeah. And so when Abrams comes on, the only thing that Braun told Abrams was that it had to be called Lost. Other than that, he kind of gave him free reign. Oh, sorry. I brought up the whole Jeffrey Lieber thing because even though Abrams totally discarded his script and it is not used at all for the pilot, at all, he still, because of some weird arbitration with the WGA, he still gets a created by credit on Lost. That's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing, but it is kind of funny that, like, (laughs) you know, he kind of fucked up his job and somebody else came in and totally fixed it. Yeah. And yeah. So anyway, Abrams, basically, he said that there's another quote I've got here where he says he told Braun, look, I have a version of this, but you're not going to like it. It's more Michael Crichton than it is Castaway. There will be a hatch on this island and you would start to learn truths about these people that aren't immediately obvious it's a weirder version than what you want to do and braun loved this and then they were off to the races yeah the writing credits of the people involved in this seem weird like you you have in the notes here that damon lindelof had previously written for nash bridges Yes. And was coming off having written and produced Crossing Jordan. Right. Yeah. But also you mentioned it like this show is essentially a soap opera. Exactly. So it makes it, sense that you would bring right. in a team like that to at least execute that part. Right. Exactly. And I think if I'm remembering correctly from there, Damon Lindelof brings on later on Carlton Cuse. J.J. Abrams basically has, after the pilot, has very little involvement with the show. And the show running duties are basically left to Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. And Carlton Cuse also worked on Nash Bridges. And so I think Lindelof brought him in to work on it. So yeah, it is interesting. I mean, like, there's a ton of people who wrote for this show, especially as it went on and got more popular you had like drew goddard and comic writer brian k vaughn and these sorts of people come on yeah right for later episodes but the pilot is written by jj abrams and lindelof and directed by jj abrams i think it's safe to say that it is the best thing that jj abrams has directed maybe I think his best feature film is probably Mission Impossible 3 or, yeah. the, or the first Star Trek movie. Like that the first, first Star, Star Trek, Trek movie. movie's very good. I also like yeah. Cloverfield. Well, he didn't direct Cloverfield. Oh. That was, oh, that sure. was uh, sure, sure. yeah, not him. It was T.J. Miller. But, right, yeah, it was T.J. <laughs> Miller. No, it was Matt Reeves of Batman fame. Yeah, yeah. I guess the other option is J.J. Abrams also directed the pilot of Fringe, which is maybe my favorite show of all time. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I so need much. to rewatch that. Well, I fell maybe off Fringe, like first season. Maybe that'll be the next series on mm. we we have to go back. Maybe, uh, but yeah, I just love that the hatch is at the beginning, even though it doesn't factor into the pilot at all. 
I think it's like halfway through the first season that they even find it. Yeah, it takes a while correctly. to get to the hatch. Yeah, but I like that that is in the back of their mind as yes. like, this is something we're going to get to eventually. And so Abrams and Lindelof, they got together, they hashed out a bunch of elements of the style of the show, a lot of the characters they sketched out. They wrote up a show Bible with a bunch of mythology, which I would love to read. I want to read that original show Bible just to see how much it matches with the actual mythology that ends up in the show. Yeah, I'm surprised that's not available somewhere. Yeah. Like, it seems like something they would have just naturally wanted to put out. It definitely would have sold. Absolutely. I mean, the problem is it would have sold like hotcakes during the run of Lost. But if it actually had things in it that related to the ending of the show, it was never going to be released until afterwards. And afterwards, you know, a lot of the the mainstream public kind of hated Lost for a while because of how it ended. So I don't know. I would love to see it, though. I don't know that I've ever heard of a show Bible getting released. Yeah, I guess not. I imagine just from a writer standpoint, I bet it's a bunch of very rough notes. I imagine if you're a writer, you don't necessarily want that part of the process out in public, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Fine. Yeah. Your show and Bible I, to yourself, J.J. Abrams. Exactly. The other big thing that they came up with from the very beginning that I find really admirable is that they knew that they needed to have a concrete endpoint, which becomes a huge point of conflict in the third season of the show. Right. Because ABC had a hit. And did not want to have an endpoint. But they knew that if they had an endpoint, then it would add structure in a way that would allow them to tell a complete story without the wheel spinning. Like with the X-Files, like going back to the X-Files. I love the X-Files, but they clearly did not want to do anything beyond baby steps with the larger story because they had a hit. And they wanted to keep it going. And that show ended up petering out, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. You have some notes in here about the cast. Yeah. The the only. The cast. That's the only other bit of backstory. Because the rest, you know, we mentioned that it was made for 14 million and stuff. But I, I really like that even though they were on a super short schedule, they still tried to be very flexible in their casting and in the actual writing of the script that ends up being shot to the point that famously the original script wanted the character of Jack to die midway through. That is which, shocking. Which is shocking and is a very J.J. Abrams style twist. He loves to kill off a big character early on to add stakes. And the network wisely in my opinion, we're like, no, fuck you. No, that's a terrible idea. Yeah, that would have been a little too jarring. And then I would have felt like, well, then what's the point of even having followed this guy for half of this episode? Exactly. I mean, like, obviously the point would have been the misdirect, but, you know, as J.J. Abrams has failed to learn over and over again throughout his career, that can't be the point. A misdirect is not a very compelling point right your thing like you got to have like a little bit of meaning behind 
connected. The idea was that Jack was going to die and then Kate was going to become like the leader of the survivors, which is fine. Sure. But I think the dynamic that they settle on is good. But like when they wanted Jack to be killed, like they really went after Michael Keaton, which I didn't realize. I feel like that would have made people a little angry. Yes. Because absolutely, especially at that point, Michael Keaton wasn't doing a whole lot no that i can think of no, so that was, would have been a really a real, a really cool thing to have michael keaton come back like that in a big network show absolutely. and then you kill him in the first episode people would have been fucking irate absolutely it would have tanked the show to yeah. have jack die regardless of if it's michael keaton yeah or not. And then, you know, once they decide they want Jack to live, they can't cast Michael Keaton because he'd be too expensive. So they go with Matthew Fox. But then I love that there's so many stories. Jorge Garcia auditions for the role of Sawyer to start off with, which is oh, a wow. fun. It's a fun thing to imagine. He I must have he put would've... on a ton of weight to play Hurley then. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure that's what <laughs> it would happened. It would be funny if he showed up all fucking cut to play yeah. Sawyer. <laughs> but also, though, I do kind of like the idea of the con artist character with the Hurley physique. I find that yeah. compelling. And that Hurley personality. Well, that's the thing. Like, when they got him in there, they were like, well, this guy does not work for Sawyer, but we love him. Yeah. Like, he's such a joy to be around that they wrote the character of Hurley for him. Yeah. Uh, Sawyer and that, feels like a con artist. Yes. I love the Josh Holloway story you have. In yes. The yeah. Josh Holloway came in and auditioned for Sawyer. And during the audition, he forgot some of his lines and got so pissed off that he kicked a chair across the room. <laughs> <laughs> and the casting people were like, this is perfect. This is exactly who we need for this. And it is like, that's the energy you need for that character. I had in my notes that I was sure Josh Holloway was going to go on to have a huge career after this. Me too. And now that story makes me kind of (laughs) feel like I realize why he didn't. Well, it's that. And it's also that he was, I believe, in his mid thirties when he got this role. And that's, a little late for you to become a leading man according yeah. to Hollywood standards, unfortunately, especially after you're done with a you know long running TV show. Yeah, uh, literally the last thing I remember him doing is an old Navy ad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was in the beginning of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, right, uh, right. Yeah. And he's great. I mean, you know, he doesn't have like a ton to do because he gets killed really quick, but he's a lot of fun. This is a thing that, again, this is going to come up a lot with this cast. You know, I was a naive high schooler when this show came out, and I thought for sure everyone on this show was going to be a fucking movie star because I truly think this cast is amazing. They really, really are. think, yeah. There's only one or two bum notes. In the entire thing, which we'll get to when we actually start talking about the episode. But yeah, the other roles they created for actors, Yoonjin Kim auditioned for Kate. They should have uh, made her Kate. That would have been a neat turn of events. Absolutely. That would have been cool. Like, I think that Evangeline Lilly does amazing yeah, as Kate. She's great. But like, Yoonjin Kim is an amazing actress as well. She would have been a good Kate. But also, then they create the character's son and then hire Daniel Day Kim to play her husband. And, like, those characters end up becoming really great characters. So I'm happy for that, at least. 
Yeah, this is a really strong cast. Harold Perrineau, I'm yeah. always happy to see him. Absolutely. He's one of the only people that they wrote for him. Like, Michael was written for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Terry O'Quinn, who had been, you know, he's a TV actor for a long time. He was the stepfather in the two stepfather movies. Yeah, he was. I watched that great. very recently. The first yeah? one I watched. Again. Uh, it's so good. Uh, they're great. It's I need really to rewatch good. it. I am such a slut for Terry O'Quinn. I love him. He's my favorite. One of my favorite performances on the show. I think his performances lock is incredible. He's, he's one of the best TV characters. Yes. Ever. Locke fucking rules. He's so good because he is kind of a shitty person and like very weak. That is just so compelling. Yeah. And so Locke was written for Terry O'Quinn. And then the other one is Saeed was not in the script. Saeed is a character that was written for Naveen Andrews. So many of these characters that weren't in the original script are the best characters on the show. And it's mostly because probably that they were written for the actors and like written for the things that the casting people saw in those actors. Yeah. Naveen Andrews is so great. I wish he got more work after this. He does have a very big role in the dropout, which is the Hulu show about Elizabeth Holmes. And I didn't know that he plays her boyfriend who was like her co-founder of that. Really? Really? So yeah, he's basically one of the leads. There's a really fun scene where he's acting all shady at the office because they have inspectors showing up and one of them asks to use the bathroom and he says, I'll walk you there because they're afraid they're going to like start rifling through shit. <laughs> right. And the guy goes, no, I can get there myself. And he goes, I don't want you to get lost. That's ah, so great. That's hilarious. I did not know that. That is the first thing that has really made me want to watch that oh, it's show. it's good. It's I'm, really I'm sure good. I'm, I'm sure it's good. There's so much TV. Like, yeah. it's so Amanda hard Seyfried to... is such a good actor. She like, is. I love her. really great as Elizabeth Holmes. That's yeah, a very good I, show. You should watch it. I, I'm definitely going to. I love her. And the idea of her and Naveen Andrews acting a bunch together is great. He was also on Since 8, the Wachowskis Netflix show, oh, which is pretty good. Yeah, which I is never great. watched like, that. I mean, like, it's wild. You know, it's the Wachowskis at their most Wachowski, basically. Yeah. It's all love and gender and sex and stuff. It rules. Yeah. But he's great. He's also, and look, this is going to be a thing that I am going to keep saying about a lot of people as we talk about this show. He is so hot in this show (laughs) it's like ungodly how hot he is in this show yeah oh my god everybody is hot on this show but attractive cast it's an exceptionally attractive cast maggie grace uh, maggie grace yeah liam neeson had to rescue her like three times i think only twice i don't think she's in the third one oh is she not in the third one yeah maybe not running through the rest of the cast very quickly emily deraven as Claire, who begins the series pregnant, Australian actress. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the pilot. The way they introduce her, she's on all fours, so you can clearly see she's pregnant. And I remember the first time I watched it being like, oh, no. Right. No. There's a very funny deleted scene that I watched today where their original line when Jack runs up to her, she's like, I'm having contractions. And he's like, that's not ideal. (laughs) (laughs) They should have left that scene in. <laughs> it would have been great. It would have been great. Uh, you also had moment. Dominic Monaghan. Yeah. Who's hot off of the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, sure. Yeah. 
and he came in and originally, you know, he plays Charlie, who's a rock star. And originally he was going to be like an older guy and they decided to make him younger. And then since he's British or Irish, I'm sorry. He's, uh, he's UK-ish. He's, he's UK-ish. They later give him a nice Oasis arc, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. And then you also have Maggie Grace. And then to me, the weakest link, goodbye, of the whole thing is Boone. I just don't like Boone. Which one's Boone? Boone is Maggie Grace's brother. Oh, yeah. He was annoying. He's annoying. Spoiler alert. He is the first main cast member to die. And I was happy about that. Yeah. And I think it's because he's so fucking annoying. He is. Daniel Day Kim had a good run after this. He was on Hawaii Five O for a thousand years. Absolutely. Then that's the thing. Like a lot of the actors, you know, since this show films in Hawaii, they lived in Hawaii for like six or seven years. A lot of the cast members just stayed there and then got jobs on other productions that were happening in Hawaii. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Which I get. I totally would do. Yeah, Daniel Day Kim is also in Spider-Man 2. Very briefly, it's really fun. Mm. But yeah, so those are the main cast. Those are the big boys. And yeah, the episode is amazing. Like, it opens so well. The opening scene holds up. Opening still so good. the, The whole thing, I think, it's one of those rare pilots. It happens occasionally. It doesn't happen really anymore. But like, it's one of those rare pilots that just holds up as like a little movie. Yeah. Basically, if all you ever watch of Lost is the two-part pilot, that's a pretty satisfying experience. Yeah, because it ends with you knowing things aren't going to go well, if nothing else. Yeah, it's obviously, it's very open-ended. But since it's two episodes, technically, it has two complete arcs. But like, it just tells this whole story. It looks, I can't stress this enough, how good this looks, especially compared to everything else that was on TV at the time. Yeah, and it benefits from the fact that there's not really any electronics right. for them to be using. No one's on their phone, so it doesn't right. look dated. No, like, it doesn't look dated. It looks kind of timeless, which right. I like a lot. Yeah, the decision to shoot in Hawaii adds instant production value. The fact that you are shooting in this place that has these incredible varied environments that just makes your production look so good. If they shot in like fucking Vancouver or whatever right. for a tropical island or something like it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. It's really gorgeous. The opening is that shot of Jack's eye opening, which is something that gets mirrored later on yeah. and is an important kind of visual motif. I like the dual oh shit moment of yes. Jack getting up and walking out onto the beach and first looking and seeing this empty beach, at which yeah. point you're going to be like, oh shit, where am yes. I? And yeah. then he looks to the left and it's just carnage and chaos. Right. And it's like, well, oh shit, again. Yeah, this is something I definitely noted. Like, it's one of the early really great images is the empty beach. And then you just hear distant screaming. Yeah. And it's like, that's such a creepy image to have. And it really is effective. Oh, you also see the dog. The dog is one of the weirdest parts in the pilot. Because he's not being very dog-like. It's this whole thing. Like, he kind of becomes kind of a mystical 
element of the island yeah. at a certain point. Like he basically becomes part of the grander magic of the island. But like you were saying, that whole thing, the very long tracking shot of Jack running through the wreckage. Yeah. Like, again, this is really basic stuff, but like they got a real fucking plane yeah. and broke it up and stuck it on that beach and then they used it for almost the entire rest of the show. Like they got so much use out of that plane. The scene where the guy gets sucked into the engine, <sighs> like, you know, it's going to happen Rules. when you're watching it. You're like, someone's fucking going in that engine. Absolutely. And, and it's it- a giant practical explosion. Like it's a yeah. real thing to happen. And there's just so many good moments like where he comes in and Jack immediately starts to try to rescue people, which is an indication. Yeah, this guy, he seems like he might be kind of fucked up, but he definitely has a good heart, at least, and wants to help people. Like, that's his first instinct. And he goes, and you get little hints at other things. One of the more interesting things is that Locke is barely in the pilot at all. Right. But every little bit you get of him is kind of hinting at his grander thing because like you first see him and he's walking around and he just kind of seems very serene considering what's going on yeah and he's just introduced as like a random person helping they do a good job of that sort of thing where like for a while you can't tell who's going to be like an actual character right during all of this chaos like people are just running and trying to help hurley's introduced being freaked out by having to help the pregnant Claire, which is yeah, all of the Hurley stuff is immediately great. He is Hurley's, so funny. Yeah, Hurley's wonderful. Remember when Weezer made an album called Hurley? I do. That was so weird. Yeah. And it's just Jorge Garcia's face I on the Googled cover. it to make sure I wasn't making that up. And yes, nope. it's their eighth studio album. It's just called Hurley. It's weird. I've never listened to it. That would be a good bonus episode. We Ooh, should, yeah, that would be a good bonus episode. The Hurley album. Yeah, I have not listened to a fucking note of that. Yeah. I don't even know what the lead single was. Me neither. No clue. I mean, I, I don't know how many singles Weezer had by their eighth album. But. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, Hurley rules. I just love Hurley. Like, the whole chaos section is so frantic. The yeah. opening section's great. The part where... Jack and Kate and Charlie go off to look for the transponder or transceiver. And I mean, that's climb that fuselage. Yeah. That part. I mean, that rules. I mean, like the first moment of quiet that you get is Jack trying to tend to his own wounds. And then you've got his great scene with Kate. Right. Where he convinces her to help sew him up. And, He tells that story, which is like a really interesting backstory, like it's doing a really good job of subtly laying all this stuff in. And this is before any of the fantastical elements come in. We are just getting to know who these characters are. It takes its time with it, which I think is really important. Yeah. I remember in that fuselage scene where they find the pilot and he is still alive Played by J.J. Abrams' regular Greg Grunberg. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's in everything that he does. I remember thinking when I first watched this that that scene where he gets killed is one of the goriest things I had seen on a network TV show. 
up to yeah, that point. And it's then, really graphic. And then the closing scene of the first part. Yeah. yeah. You just didn't see stuff like that on regular TV because this was right. 2004. The mangled body and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And that's also where Jack would have died instead of the pilot. Uh, uh, yeah, that would have been dumb. It would have been bad. It, it was a bad idea. Yeah. I wanted to mention before they went to the cockpit, we have our first encounter with the monster, which yes. is the first hint that there is something larger going on in the island. And it's so uh, well done. It's, it's really creepy. It's so it's just like kind of leaves moving. It is. Yeah. You mostly are just hearing leaves moving and trees cracking and you're seeing like trees falling over and stuff. But it's dark, so you can't really see anything. And then you hear its weird howling yeah. noises. And I remember seeing a behind-the-scenes thing of how they came up with the monster noise. Mm. And it's like a little bit of animal noises, but it's also a lot of mechanical stuff. There's like a Coney Island roller coaster recorded, like Jeez. looped in there. But it's like that clicking yeah. noise. And that's what Rose mentions, like, it sounded kind of familiar. And, like, that's kind of a nod to that. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. And that's also when we get the first of three Charlie cut-to-commercial one-liners where he goes, terrific, and then (laughs) cut to black. That happens, like, three times in the pilot alone. (laughs) Yeah. He also, his ending line in the second part of this is pretty iconic. Of course, yeah, the guys. Where are we? So So good. Yeah. As they're going to the cockpit, that's also where we hear where Charlie brings up his one-hit wonder. You all everybody. You all everybody. You all everybody. (laughs) Did they ever officially release that as a single? They did. I used to have it on my old iPod (laughs) Classic. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that the lyrics mostly come from a Jerry Springer guest, like someone <laughs> on Jerry Springer. That's and amazing. like, they just remembered that weird phrasing of you all, everybody. And then like, we later find it. Another lyric is acting like you're stupid people wearing expensive clothes, I think is another <laughs> one of the lines. It's very silly, but yeah. And we're also getting flashbacks, which is a key element of lost. Yes. And is the thing, besides the mystery element, I think it's the thing that makes the show work the best. Yeah, the flashbacks, especially in this episode, work really well. Kate's flashback is just good TV. Absolutely. Because you find out that she's actually the criminal that was on the plane, because they realized there was an air marshal. Yeah, like Michael finds handcuffs or something. Yeah. And so they figure out that there's a criminal on the plane, and it turns out it's her. And when they cut to the plane crash, she's sitting next to this air marshal. Yeah. And it starts to go down, and he gets incapacitated right away. He takes a fucking metal suitcase to the corner of the head. Yeah. And she still reaches over and puts his oxygen mask on. These are the things. That's such a small thing, but it, like, tells you everything you need to know about that character. Exactly. And that is what this show kind of excels at, is showing the little ways that people are good at heart and also the little ways that even good people 
fail and do bad things for reasonable like reasons. I think it's around that point also where maybe the first real scene with Locke is she sees him and he like does the smile with the orange peel yes. in his mouth. Yes. Which is so cool and weird and creepy, but also goofy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't know what to think of Locke. In no, especially moment. with maybe my favorite scene in the episode skipping ahead is his scene with Walt. Yes. Where he explains about backgammon. Yeah. Which is a great scene and also ends up being like a really important kind of key. Yeah. A Rosetta Stone for the mythology that comes. Yes. Because he's talking a lot about light and dark and all of these things. And he's also, you know, you don't get it a lot in this episode, but like he's the only person who's kind of chill. And it's because he's the only person who kind of he's kind of happy that it happened because he thinks it's something wonderful. Well, which, yeah, yeah. Which, I, yeah, I don't know if we want to spoil that, but uh, we'll, we'll get to it next yeah, episode. Yeah. We might as well wait on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, like I think he's used judiciously, but he's really good. Oh, and then yeah, we're skipping all around, but oh well, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> it's the first episode. We're yeah, I mean, through. this isn't going to be that rewatch podcast where we just go through each episode beat by beat. That's, right, exactly. That would be uh, insane. But like I do like that when they're getting chased by the monster after the cockpit, the big commercial cliffhanger is Kate counting to five, which is a nice it shows that she's like learning thing, you know, and has yeah. taken that lesson to heart because Jack mentioned a similar story. And like, yeah, and then after that I think well Said and Sawyer get in a fight. Sawyer's a huge asshole in this episode. Yeah, Sawyer gives off very good guy who thinks the Muslim guy crashed the plane. Yes. Energy. Yes. And that's, that's what it. their fight is about. He's Exactly. And yeah, I love that twist where Saeed is talking to Hurley. Yes. And he's like, oh, I was in the military. And yeah, Hurley he said asked, I served in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. And Hurley asked what branch. And he goes, he's like, I, my, my buddy was there. <laughs> was Republican guard. Uh, so good. Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. Hurley that. is really taken aback. He is. I feel like in 2022, if that happened, you say that to the right person, they're going to be like, oh, thank you for your service. Oh, George Bush cool. was a war criminal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And that's what the show goes with. I mean, like, Kinda, they, yeah, yeah, he goes through some shit, but like they do not judge him for no. being on the, quote, wrong side yeah. of the conflict. But Sawyer is such an asshole and Sun and Jen are not nearly the rich and textured characters that they eventually become. Like it's obvious that they still haven't quite nailed down all of these characters. Yeah. It was a nice touch though, to have a character or a set of characters that spoke almost no English. Absolutely. Like that just added an element to the show that didn't have to be there, but it made for fun storytelling. For sure. I mean, I can't think of many shows from that era that had extended scenes with no English. Yeah. And then they start playing with that like later in the show. And it's all right. Fucking fascinating. They play with their knowledge of English, but then they also have flashbacks where for basically the entire flashback. 
everybody is speaking Korean, which rules. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And those characters become great, but I do find the whole early Sun Jin dynamic kind of sucks. Like, it's one of my least favorite parts of the early going of the show. Yeah. Him being like a controlling asshole and her being kind of meek or whatever. And then there's weird tension with Harold Perrineau, who plays Michael, who has a a young son named Walt. Walt, who I looked up. He is one half of a pop music duo now. Oh, is he really? And he still acts like in nothing huge, but he's been getting decent work ever since. Good for him. Well, that's cool. 30 now. That's incredible. I mean, like, it makes sense. I mean, he would have only been a few years younger than me when he made the show. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do remember it is funny. Like the people behind the show have kind of come out and said, yeah, we really fucked up by having a kid on this show because of the nature of our story is almost real time. And so this kid's going to grow up way faster than time is going to pass on the island. Yes. And that becomes a huge issue uh, that the show (laughs) really struggles to deal with later on. Yeah, I remember watching early on and being like, are they going to have to kill this kid? Yeah. And then they kind of do. Yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, it's not going to like it's going to look weird. This ain't The Simpsons. You can't just. Right. I mean, Bart be the same age for 30 years. Right. I think that's what led directly to the kidnapping. Yeah. They were like, we're at the end of this season. This kid is not going to (laughs) stay this size over this break. So, yeah. But the unfortunate part of that is that that kind of screws over Harold Perrineau who never yeah. really gets to do as much as he is capable of doing on this show. It's kind of unfortunate because he's saddled with the kid. Yeah. He has to be a part of that story. So, yeah, there is one really iconic character introduced in this episode that we have not mentioned so far. Oh? That of course, being the polar bear. Of course. Yes. Do they ever really explain the polar bear i mean they do do they yeah okay so i don't remember it but because i know there's some things that just don't ever really and that's fine like yeah no of course i wasn't expecting to know it all it's a great mystery in the moment it's such a good what the fuck moment yeah to have a polar bear in the middle of the jungle but like okay so lost spoiler corner (laughs) it is revealed later on In the third season, when they're spinning wheels trying to get ABC to let them end the fucking show, a lot of the characters spend a lot of time in polar bear cages that were run by the Dharma Initiative back in the 60s. And so I think the idea is that they just brought polar bears (laughs) there. Okay, so they don't explain it. (laughs) No, I mean, but like, yes, like that's the thing. Like They do explain it, but it's kind of like a, oh, okay, I guess that's an explanation. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) So, yeah, it's cool enough that it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just such a weird moment. Like, that's another very iconic moment from this. Yes. Because you can sort of tell when it's charging at them. You're like, oh, a little bit. Yeah. Is that a polar bear? Yeah. And fun fact, scientists literally just this past week, I think it was, found a community of polar bears living in a, quote, seemingly impossible habitat. Like, it's still cold where they are, but also it turns out that thing where they float on ice is how they hunt. Yeah. 
And where they found these polar bears, they don't have those floating pieces of ice. They've just huh. adapted to live in a different way, which is actually very promising. Yeah, I mean, like, I hope take that, that is good into news. Account. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I hope that polar bears survive. Yes. Uh, it is a cool shot of Sawyer. So this is where, because Saeed kind of knows about radios, so they got the transponder from the cockpit and they're going to try and get there. And Sawyer tags along and you get that really badass shot of him just like pointing the gun down, like staring down the polar bear as it charges. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's just cool. It's a neat scene. And then also it's like, oh shit, Sawyer's got a gun. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Like I I remember even watching it now, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. You got to shoot him. Wait, what? What? Why do you have a gun? How'd you get a gun on the plane? And, you know, I buy that. I'm pretty sure he came from the, Marshall, like yeah, he said, but it's still that's not the guy necessarily, especially at this point in the series. That's not the guy that you want having the gun and they take it from him. Yeah, but also he knows how to use it. It's true, but, but so know, does so, Saeed, obviously. So, so does Saeed and so does Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Kate pretends like she doesn't. Remember. Yeah, which is fun. And then like the last scene, I'm trying to think if there's anything, any other big moments that we skipped over, but I don't think so. Well, we already talked about Kate's flashback, which happens near right. the end. Right. Of and there's a the Jack episode. flashback. Right. His is fun because he's just talking with Rose. Oh, we have Rose whose husband is missing and presumed dead. They are one of my favorite TV couples. Love Rose of and all Bernard. time. They're great. They are They're so, the best. And he's not. So lovely. It, it takes a while for Bernard to show up. Right. And then in the cockpit, we also get a Charlie flashback uh, that shows him trying to hide his heroin, which becomes a larger plot point through this season, especially. Yeah, that would be a huge, huge bummer being addicted to heroin and getting stranded on an island. I didn't understand why he needed to go to the bathroom if he was just going to put heroin on his gums he could have done that pretty (laughs) incognito just sitting there in his seat i think that's explained later on but the idea that i got from just this flashback is that the people on the plane were like on to him because he was acting like a junkie on the plane yeah and so but he was acting like a junkie because he hadn't done heroin but he also just had heroin in his shoe that he could have just right i don't think he went in to just rub it on his lips i think he went in to dump it but he rubbed some on his gums just to as like a last hit before dumping it yeah because he sticks it in the toilet and then the plane starts to go down and so he's able to get it but yeah yeah and then we see he still has it later and for one second i was like all right when is the bat gonna fly in and take it from him it's like (laughs) no that is jack black and tropic thunder Different movie, different, different movie, show. different different thing, different yeah. property, uh, different intellectual property. Yes, yes, but also very good. Yeah, and I do think the heroin thing is a really good character arc for him. Yeah, and yeah, it, it never becomes like annoying as it could be. Yeah, you know, which is good. But yeah, then the last scene is. They are like up on this mountain and they managed to get a signal. It's repeating over and over again. It's, what a great fucking ending. It's such a good cliffhanger. It's like perfect. And the, because the it's part like, where it's, Saeed does the math in his head. Yes. Because they realize this signal that's going out 
it's right. at the end the guy is saying how many times they've right. repeated it and the number keeps going up. So Saeed calculates, well, how long is it taking them to say it times right. that? As Shannon is translating the French, which is this like dire message of like, <laughs> everyone's dead. I'm all alone. Please help me. And then Saeed's like, uh, this has been playing for 16 years. Oh. And that's, this becomes a classic lost move where it's just like music building, panning to everybody's shocked faces and then Charlie going, guys, where are we? It's <laughs> so good. Boom. <laughs> Lost, which is the best way to end a TV episode. I'm yes. sorry. Yeah. It yeah. just immediate slam with a boom to yeah. Lost. Yeah. It's like a mic drop. Basically. It fucking rules. It's so good. It never fails to hit. I mean, like sometimes, especially, in, you know, in the third season, there's a few cliffhangers that aren't quite so... uh enthralling but generally whenever it cuts a boom lost i'm like this rules this is this is the best yeah so yeah so it came out and it was a huge hit it's a huge hit and it did really well and there's it did really well six seasons and we're gonna rewatch all of it absolutely and i'm very excited i am too the pilot definitely held up again it's i haven't seen it since i watched it for the first time i don't know if i watched it live like i mentioned on the unpops podcast when we talked about lost yeah pretty sure i watched the first two seasons via netflix (laughs) male dvds oh man the old days i jumped in at season three which yeah you know i like the show if i stuck through it after i mean in season three binging the first two doesn't hurt getting you yeah, through that yeah. part. And it's really only the beginning of season three. That's yes. kind of rough, but yeah, I actually meant to ask that at the top of the show, like, cause I also did not watch the first season as it aired. I caught it on DVD. I thought maybe I rented it, but I think what actually happened is I had heard so many good things about it that I bought the DVD set straight up wow (laughs) maybe i rented like the first disc from blockbuster or something and i was like well i i want this yeah now that i think about it i also lived very close to a blockbuster so i might have rented it at blockbuster i mean it's possible but like yeah it was one of those things where it came out and it was huge and i was subscribed to entertainment weekly at the time and they would praise it effusively they ended up having a regular lost segment of their magazine where a guy on their staff would just theorize about lost. And I remember distinctly that one issue near the end of the season was about how crazy it had gotten. And it included a cardboard insert sheet of trading cards that you could, (laughs) uh, that were like perforated. So you could, take them apart and uh-huh. it was all the main cast members as trading cards and i had that and then i got in i watched it in the second season and then the other big thing that i wanted to mention is that i was in the middle of the second season or something i got a gig i was in high school and i got a gig at a local noblesville indiana online radio station uh, okay <laughs> i got a djing gig i got like an hour a week where I, w- I had free reign to basically do whatever I wanted as a DJ. 
it only broadcasts online and at one gas station pump in <laughs> Noblesville. <laughs> and eventually it became me and the producer just talking about Lost because we broadcast the day after Lost uh-huh. and we both watched it. And that was kind of a podcast. And that was kind of my first, like it was a pre-podcast podcast and my first podcasting experience was about loss so it's kind of fun to come full circle that's awesome yeah and it's kind of fun to imagine some random person pumping gas in noblesville and just hearing me talking about (laughs) random loss theories and then cutting to a fucking system of a down song or something (laughs) that's amazing so funny anyway so i think that's uh, our episode right yeah yeah i think it's an episode we did it this was fun it was i had a great time obviously on the next episode we're gonna cover the next two episodes yeah it's tabula rasa which is a kate flashback episode it's a classic tv second episode and that most of it is just recapping the events of the first episode with some new stuff thrown in And then we'll also talk about the first breakout episode of the season, I would say. And one of the best episodes of television ever made, I would contend, which is Walkabout, the first John Locke flashback, which rules. It's amazing. It's it's so good. I'm so excited to watch that. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Do we have anything to plug? We've been plugging this. If you're listening to this and have never heard Conspiracy the Show... Absolutely. Oh, man. It's like Lost, but for real life, man. Yeah, man. Everything we talk about there is totally 100% true. It all happened. So (laughs) check out Conspiracy the Show, part of the Unpops Network, just like this show is. I mean, unless you're listening to this early, in which case, thank you so much for supporting the Unpops Network. And uh, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Nah, Social medias, Letterbox, nah. nothing. I mean, I'm on Letterbox, <laughs> but who cares? No one cares about Letterbox except for me. No one cares. Yeah. Oh, fuck Jurassic World Dominion. That's my plug. Oh, okay. that movie sucks. <laughs> I've heard, but I I'm haven't. Still seen mad a, about it. I haven't seen a Jurassic Park movie since the '90s. It's not my not my thing. You haven't even watched three. Mm-mm. I don't think watch, so. I don't think you so. You watch three. Yeah. It's good. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Todd Brown. That's Todd with one D. And uh, follow the Unpops Network at Unpops on Twitter and Unpops.podcast on Instagram. Great way to just keep track of what we're putting out. We put out four to five episodes of various shows every week. And if you follow us on social media, you'll know what they are. Maybe something will catch your fancy and maybe you'll go subscribe and help keep the lights on. Yeah, do that shit. Because we can't record these without electricity. No, actually, it's it, that is one of the most important parts of yeah. this. We'd be fucked if we were on this island trying to record. I don't think, yeah, it would be hard to do a podcast on, on, yeah. the, on the Lost Island. Yeah, we'd have For to- one thing, the electromagnetic interference. Yeah, that's going to fuck with the <laughs> microphones and things. I didn't even think about that. Fuck. <laughs> Good to be where we are. All yeah. right. Let's get out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. <laughs>